Pharmacy is transforming. This transformation is having a major impact on pharmacy care and patient treatment outcomes. Pharmacists are the most accessible healthcare providers throughout the country and are taking on more responsibility as their roles are expanding. The RX Influencer Magazine features some of the most influential pharmacists in the nation. Pharma Salon and the Pharmacy Podcast Network are hosting the first RX Influencer Salon event about trends and opportunities in healthcare led by pharmacists. The RX Influencer Salon will be a live event held in St. Louis, October 24th and 25th, featuring four key conference tracks including pharmacogenomics, entrepreneurship, compounding, and cannabis. This event is like none other and will help you build your business, career, and knowledge of the upcoming opportunities in healthcare led by pharmacists. Sign up today by visiting pharmasalon.com forward slash rxinfluencer. That's pharmasalon.com forward slash rxinfluencer. Become part of the most influential providers in healthcare today. Join us in St. Louis at the RX Influencer Salon. listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at pharmacypodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. You're listening to the CRX Podcast. The CRX Podcast provides an added benefit for healthcare professionals and readers of the CRX Magazine, a leader in reliable information and news about medical cannabis. The CRX Podcast will provide the latest discussions about cannabinoid products as part of a patient's treatment plans and deliver the latest education about medical cannabis for pharmacists, physicians, and innovative healthcare providers. North Carolina medical marijuana bill set for Senate vote as poll shows overwhelming public support. This came out in a recent article on marijuanamoment.net. I'm going to have this link in the show notes, but it comes back to the public's perception of cannabis, of marijuana, and the fact that the Pharmacy Podcast Network for years with the launch of the Medical Podcast, which was uh, developed by myself and Joe Friedman, and he's just a, an amazing, he's a plethora of information on medical cannabis. But we were really curious about reaching out to other healthcare professionals and other, more specifically, our favorite providers, our pharmacists, about medical cannabis and how we believe that on a national front, it should be controlled. It should be, it should be looked after by the medication experts because of your drug, drug and drug food and drug allergies. And what better healthcare professional to command uh, the, the administration and the leverage of medical cannabis than our pharmacists. So when I get contacted by other pharmacists who are also interested in the clinical impact the business impact of medical cannabis i get pretty excited about this so i'd like to introduce dr alan Al, who is a PharmD, and he is the founder of plants and prescriptions 
bringing medicine back to its roots. I love that tagline. Dr. Al, welcome to the CRX podcast in collaboration with CRX Magazine. We're, we're excited to have you. Thanks so much for having me, Todd. I'm a huge fan of your podcast and all the work that you've done. It's all about bringing things uh, to the healthcare professional that really understands the short and long-term effects of what's happening in, in healthcare. And, and I still haven't found a facet of healthcare, whether it's business, technology, clinical, where a pharmacist isn't needed. So medical cannabis, goodness gracious, like I said, I, I can't think of a better provider that's been saturated in um, pharmacology and titration plans and treatment plans and meta metabolic and and metabolization and the whole world of what you went to school for you know why i'm going to kick this right off with a very hard question no softballs for you but why isn't the pharmacist leading all things medical cannabis in the united states um sad to say a, a lot of the current market, and this is not just uh, in the US, but on a global scale, um, it's driven by consumerism. Uh, so the shift to cannabis as a commodity into the CPG market is a lot more lucrative for a lot of these publicly traded companies. And people see dollar signs, right? Uh, people vote with their dollar signs. Um, and the, the unfortunate part is the medical side exists. However, pharma is not getting involved until there's going to be a descheduling or rescheduling of the substance. Uh, and right now, they're hesitant to touch it um, because of that reason. So meanwhile, state by states are legalizing, decriminalizing, uh, and selling it as a commodity. So, so that's really what's driving the market right now. The healthcare part of it um, looks great on paper. People are benefiting off of it. Patients are receiving medical care from cannabis. Uh, but it's just not something that's going to streamline until there's a federal consensus of where it belongs in the, the traditional supply chain of pharma. So do you think once we get through the federal level authorization of descheduling and using it as a medication as it, as it should be, and do you think that pharmacists based on people like yourself, as well as publications and research has been done that our government will look at the healthcare provider and realize that the pharmacist is in the best interest of public safety um, to really get you more involved? Uh, that, that's a loaded question. So first off, cannabis is relatively safe to consume. There's been no incidences of fatalities from overdosage or overconsumption. Um, so the, being the gatekeeper of a product, right, um, I, I have mixed views from this because I truly believe that this plant and the subsequent THC and CBD cannabinoids belong to the people still. Um, this market existed since the earlier in the 20s in the colonial ages. Uh, hemp was grown, you know, as one of the first crops in America. So this has been been with the people and it belongs with the people. I don't think restricting it to pharma level is the best answer, um, but I do believe pharmacists need to get involved in a higher capacity to safely integrate it into traditional medication practices. 
so the things that you're talking about, drug-drug interactions, uh, side effects, these are all common things that require a counseling point from patients that we need to address. Um, but I don't think that pharmacists or the medical community should be necessarily gatekeepers to, to access or supply. I like the fact that you kind of referenced um, opportunities for pharmacists and not really waiting necessarily for um, that federal level uh, authorization of usage of medical cannabis before it's actually being leveraged at the state level and being obviously very careful about that. Um, but I've seen the rise of pharmacists as experts in in collaboration with other healthcare professionals already taking place. And that's exciting. We, we just saw an, an article come out um, from, from Mississippi, um, actionnews5.com uh, actually had this article that came out, Mississippi medical marijuana card applications open on June 1st. And it's going to be a reminder to the public that, hey, this is a medicine, do you have Parkinson's disease, do you have glaucoma or hepatitis or autism or dementia or Alzheimer's or something that they've listed that someone that helped them to come to this decision was touching the medical community and the medical expertise of, of physicians and pharmacists and nurse practitioners who are interested in this as treatment. Um, and that's why I wanna come back to you because you have a very holistic and functional medicine like flavor to you know being a pharmacist which i think is is awesome uh, as a matter of fact functional medicine is is there's going to be a whole return to functional medicine uh, that will be commanded by our pharmacists so give us your background of of why you're so interested in this and then give us some scenarios of of your own experiences and and how you've helped other pharmacists or or even you know patients um with, uh, with all the sensitivity of HIPAA too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, a little bit about my background. So I am a traditional pharmacist that worked in retail. I worked at independent pharmacy route uh, were for the really mom and pop shops. And in order to really differentiate yourself in the market, you have to get into these uh, a new and kind of uh, innovative ideas, whether it be homeopathy or compounding or just an ancillary service that the big box stores don't have. So I fell into medical cannabis because I was really interested. And when I started doing the research and seeing what was available, I was shocked. Um, a, a lot of the history of cannabis is rooted in just um, bureaucratic red tape, to say the least. And so we have generations of access that was restricted. And once I started realizing this, um, I dove in head first. Um, so I started working for a medical cannabis dispensary and, you know, doing the traditional cl clinical pharmacist role. And it was a little bit backwards what I was seeing. When we're in pharmacy school, we learned the top-down approach, right? The physician will diagnose the patient, they'll assess the symptoms, and then they'll prescribe medication. The pharmacist really serves as the ancillary middleman to uh, um, making sure the patient gets the correct medication as well as the dosage and monitor for side effects. But in this role, uh, there was no medical guidance whatsoever happening on the ground floor. New Jersey is not one of the states that require pharmacists, unlike our neighbors in New York and Pennsylvania. And so I took the bottom-up approach where 
hey, these patients are really benefiting. Let me just try to guide them through a better process, helping them understand the dosage form pharmacokinetics, counseling them on side effects and possible drug-drug interactions, um, as well as just being able to safely integrate it into their lifestyle. And that's something that pharmacists are not really, I would say, comfortable with on a daily basis, because in, in school, we're not really taught to assess. Uh, we're just kind of the the checks and balances, if you want to say. Um, but I was doing everything from the time the patient entered the dispensary doors, I would do a, a full, you know, medical assessment as well as lifestyle assessment. Uh, and, you know, we have to get used to taking the back seat as an educator instead of a clinician to a certain extent. And that, that makes a lot of pharmacists uncomfortable where we're taught traditional practices and the way things should be. Uh, but that's really not how the cannabis industry is operating right now. It's almost like the wild west. So where do you see a community pharmacy? Where do you see them as an educator in their community? Is there something specific that you could start with a and the reason why i'm asking this alan is when you started our conversation you were talking about the community independent pharmacy and that's one of my favorite sectors of pharmacy is the privately owned pharmacy in their community that's the the healthcare hub at times it's the only source of healthcare services for miles and and so they're so important so when i think of that pharmacy i think the patient coming in or the the consumer coming in, uh, they're an auto mechanic or they're an electrician or they're a plumber or, you know, they're a lawyer and they, they're dealing with stress, they're dealing with anxiety, they're dealing with maybe um, some uh, pain in their muscles or something. And, and now the community pharmacist says, hey, I have a topical, you know, lotion that is uh, infused with CBD and THC and here's what it's going to do and here's how it's going to interact and here's... I mean, that would be a huge, I mean, you could do a whole program on that and rinse and repeat to market your services as a homeopathic, uh, functional medicine driven pharmacy. And by the way, there's, there's dollars to be made through that kind of consultation and through that kind of education as well. And so what do you, where do you, where would you start? And if it was community pharmacy, how could you help community pharmacy owners understand the opportunity? Yeah, it's happening now as we speak. I can guarantee you if you walk into any independent pharmacy, they'll have some sort of cannabinoid like CBD uh, or CBG, CBN products behind the counter now. Um, so the conversations are happening now. And one of the key components to that is that pharmacists understand what a quality product is. Um, there, there's this whole debate between illicit unregulated cannabis versus what they call the regulated cannabis that's now in dispensaries and you know the importance of having a certificate of analysis the importance of having proper labeling on products these are all issues that uh, pharmacists understand in order to know how to convert a dosage recommend a dosing regimen uh, and it starts there. It starts with the basic principles of understanding pharmacology, understanding pharmacokinetics, and understanding what a safe, reliable product is. Uh, the educational component comes uh, almost from the patient to a certain extent, because it takes a lot of 
uh, dosage adjustments. And right now, the, the product restrictions on THC is limited to state-specific uh, um, regulations. But once that changes from a federal standpoint um, and things start opening up, I can definitely see pharmacists getting involved to carrying THC products uh, as, along with CBD products and um, being able to really be the leaders in plant-based medicine. So taking that holistic approach, and it is, it's plant medicine. It grows in the ground. They call it weed for a reason. Uh, and this is as natural and holistic as it's gonna get. So it's exciting for me to hear you uh, say these things and, and dri driving this knowledge and experience based on your pharmacist background. And I am definitely biased where I think pharmacists should in some capacity be the keepers of the knowledge or the education or the dispensing or the consulting because of, I think of oncology and I think of uh, the, um, the impact of cancer on, on people's lives, the, the pain, the anxiety, the depression, the insomnia, um, the, the disability that they feel, um, the effects on sexuality and their relationships. And I think, you know, here, here comes uh, a research paper that came out of Frontiers in Pain Research and was just uh, released not even a month ago. And it was titled, The Effectiveness and Safety of Medical Cannabis for Treating Cancer-Related Symptoms in Oncology Patients. And I feel like it's an alley-oop slam dunk opportunity to show that there is application, there is usage, and to, you know, demystify uh, cannabis. And, you know, when I think of my dad and my mom, uh, they were part of that upbringing that if you smoked uh, marijuana, you were, you know, a hippie and you were a loser and you were, you know, it was very negative. And there wasn't any medical backing to any of the research I did into why it was just like you said, demonized, why it was so negative. I couldn't find any medical um, you know, research, peer-reviewed research to say that this stuff is bad for you, but, but it was <laughs> classified as, as something that was horrible. And now it's one, like I said, it's being de demystified. So having experts in our medical community with peer-reviewed studies to be able to say, here is a perfect application for, um, medical cannabis. And it doesn't have to be in the administration, which people think it may be like we were talking earlier, it might be a topical, it might be a, an, you know, a, a, a compounded uh, substance of some sort. But where else, other than my example was, of course, oncology, but where else are you seeing uh, some of the, the most fascinating findings of, of where we can leverage uh, cannabis in, in, our, in our consumer world and in our, in our treatments out there? Yeah. That, that's a great question. And given the last decade, um, we, we kind of fell into pharmacy at a really interesting time. So I graduated in 2009 uh, and the opiate crisis is something that came to life uh, during my tenure. And, you know, we saw it firsthand. We saw all, we knew all the patients that would fill their oxycodone script, you know, three days early, four days early, five days early. Uh, and then they would get Ambien or they'll get a Percocet from an ancillary doctor. And we would have to tell them like, hey, this is, this is going to be an issue if you continue down this route. And 
Um, it's the same thing with benzodiazepines too, with the Valium and Xanax. Uh, it, it was such a common practice to just fill these controlled substances in large quantities. You know, Xanax one milligram, one tablet four times a day. Uh, the, these doses were almost absurd, and the the underlying theme was that if it stopped working, they would just add on something else. Uh, there was never a movement to take away from the equation. Uh, so whether it be opiates or benzos, that's a huge implication of where cannabis um, has been successfully used as a replacement. Um, so to either minimize the amount of opiates that need to be used or reduce them completely, uh, that's a, for pain management, um, and as well as, as anxiety, I really think there's a strong correlation between, uh, or actually what we don't know is how to effectively titrate down. Um, you have to have a willingness to kind of um, experiment to say the least. And the, the precursor to that conversation is that when you are a medical cannabis patient, you have full autonomy over what you purchase, how much you consume, and how often you consume it. So unlike a pharmacy where the pharmacist needs, the, they're the actual gatekeepers in this case where, hey, I'm not going to fill your oxycodone three days early. Uh, and so you limit the amount of tablets that are in the patient's possession. Whereas cannabis, they can come into the dispensary anytime and purchase. And so having them take a scientific and intentional approach uh, in order to titrate down your benzos and opiates, that's where the conversation should really be highlighted. And that's one of the things that excites me the most because I've seen uh, um, a lot of patients in New Jersey, opiate use disorder is one of the qualifying medical conditions for the medical program, and people were successful in that. Um, and I think that's the next kind of frontier that everyone should be looking towards. There was a... Another article just in referencing so many of the applications in Psychiatric Times that uh, referenced uh, cannabis uh, legalization and uh, the insights of our psychiatrists working alongside physicians and pharmacists and how um, the, the world of the psychotropic can, can take time to find what's going to work, what's not going to work on a patient depending on their metabolization and the, whole bunch of other things that that come into play and I find that very interesting to see where we could use it either in in a comorbid situation where there's where there's medications already in use or starting them out or supplement or adding or something where it gives the physician based on the reports that could come back from our pharmacist and our consultant pharmacist that they say look at this you know three month nine month three year patient and and the differentiation of what medications they were on their feedback their feelings the you know and and I think that that barometer is is sensitive because of all the differences that could come into play especially with adherence and and ongoing studies but this is fascinating and it's something that I I want our pharmacists to understand that there's a tremendous opportunity for for them to step up as leaders as you have, uh, Alan. I wanted you to kind of give our listeners an overview of, of plants and prescriptions specifically and the education that you're bringing to the table as well. Sure. Um, so plants and prescriptions came about um, because I thought there, there's a gap. There's a gap in education from every single level, whether it be the patient 
that is consuming cannabis or the physician that's recommending them to use cannabis or uh, to get a medical card. To uh, A lot of the physicians that are operating nowadays don't have a hands-on approach with patient care. So they'll enroll them into a medical program and then just kind of, hey, you figure it out yourself. So plans for prescription came about because I wanted to counsel patients uh, on the real ins and outs. And the difficult conversation has always turned to is because none of these services are reimbursable. Uh, insurance does not cover th- uh, anything, whether consultation or products. Uh, there's been you know, a slight push for workman's comp and a couple case scenarios where uh, um, yeah, I think workman's comp is the most common um, route where medical cannabis becomes covered by third party. Uh, but the the payable services um, is very difficult when you have a product that's extremely expensive. Uh, to give a for example, in the the regulated market in New Jersey, you can easily pay five hundred dollars an ounce, whereas in the illicit market, you can pay three hundred dollars an ounce for product. So if you're going to a licensed dispensary, you're paying an awful amount, and then on top of that, you have to pay for the education and guidance from an an actual clinician, or else you're going to be rely on uh, the advice of someone who may be less qualified in, in a dispensary worker uh, or someone that doesn't have a full understanding of what pharmacokinetics are. Uh, and that, that's the problem we saw with um, and why plants pres- prescriptions formed, essentially. Well, the education is so important, and that's why I've been um, so supportive of pharmacists who, who have expertise and have research and even have interest in continuing to peel back the onion of, of cannabis in treatment, uh, whether, the, whether it's a, a single issue or... Like I said, if there's multiple things happening in that patient's live uh, life, I, I I can't think of a a medication um, in use that uh, that that is the most uh, misunderstood in some ways than uh, than cannabis is. And once again, there there's such an opportunity for pharmacists to rise. Um, we have a, a commitment to continuing this education, but then also building a way for pharmacists to come together and work together on on other uh, services. And, and I really appreciated your website, which is plantsandprescriptions.com. We will have a link in our show notes for your website that, that lists some of the opportunities for pharmacists to, um, to connect together. And I like the resources section that you have, as well as the advocacy in the industry expertise in it, as well as even reference to New Jersey and what New Jersey as a state is doing. Let's let's shift gears and talk about the state of New Jersey. How do you um, how do you feel about New Jersey's position versus many of the other states who have uh, on one side, in my opinion, too much leniency and and it's just open and recreational, versus some of the other states that are completely restrictive and they're not even open to it being, you know, medically uh, managed. Yeah, so I was lucky to be on the front lines and continue to be on the front lines of how a state transitions from a medical cannabis program to general adult use. 
so adult use, meaning anyone 21 and up, uh, are now able to purchase cannabis from a dispensary inside of New Jersey. So there's currently, uh, it's been about, I think, 45 days so far, and sales are through the roof. Uh, so there's obviously a demand from the adult use population. Um, but the difference between medical and adult use, the line becomes very blurred. It's the same product that you're consuming, whether it be for anxiety or if you just want to get high and watch TV on the couch. And that line becomes increasingly blurred when you have the same location serving both populations. And the, the medical programs that we've seen traditionally, um, they tend to either sunset or die down a little bit when adult use starts, because there's a lot of red tape in getting a medical card. You need to get a certification from the physician, and it often comes with uh, quantity restrictions and purchasing as well. So why would you jump through all those hoops when you can just go walk into the dispensary and you know pay for any product regardless of how much? And um, the... The patient care aspect of it falls kind of to the wayside. And we've seen that right now because they put in certain limitations like, oh, you, there's preferred parking for patients, there's lines, so you don't have to, there's certain registers uh, designated for medical patients, so you don't have to wait in the line as well. Uh, but what we're seeing is a product shortage now. Uh, so a lot of medical patients can't get the products that they normally consume because they're either being put on the adult use menu um, or there's just not enough supply. Uh, and that's where we are in New Jersey right now. We're a very nascent industry from the cannabis perspective. The medical market's been around since 2013, um, but we didn't see a lot of growth until our governor opened up the program in 2018 to chronic pain and anxiety. That's kind of where the floodgates of medical cannabis patients came in. Um, but now that we're in full adult use, the transition is slowly happening and there are patients that uh, still need that guidance and that care. And, you know, when I, oh, um, I recently applied for a dispensary license as well. Uh, when I open my dispensary, eventually it's going to be health and wellness adjacent. I don't want to call it medical because there's, uh, there's certain, I don't want to give the wrong impression. This is not going to be a, a white glove clinical type of facility. Uh, it's going to be a traditional adult use dispensary, but it's going to be focused on health and wellness and integration of cannabis into uh, lifestyles versus versus strictly just as medicine. I like that. I like that in that that really caters to both sides of running a business and as an entrepreneur, it's incredibly difficult. So if you have that uh, ability to bring in consumers and, and, and clients that can then, um, you know, build the business per se, but now you have the backing of being a clinical thought, uh, thoughtful pharmacist. Um, I, I think there's a balance there and I think it's a, it's a good business model. So, um, we hope to, to see it launch and, and we're going to definitely have you back to to dig into disease state specific conversations. I'd love to bring on a uh, physician that has uh, experience in it and leveraging uh, cannabis in their own treatment and practice and, and also uh, continuing to read and help, uh, help pharmacists find ways to participate in clinical peer reviewed studies that we can layer just like we've done with other medications and other conditions and generics and interchange of one medication to the next. Um, a pharmacist saying to a, a collaborator, a physician, um, and, a, and a psychiatrist, hey, 
let's taper off the Zyprexa and see what happens with a sativa blend, um, you know, uh, cannabis. Let's see where the, you know, this goes in comparison. I think that there's so much promise to the future of it. And, and of course, I, I think that there's something special that the pharmacist will bring to the table that another very busy healthcare professional might not because of their lack of uh, understanding of, of the long-term effects and, and the care that, that you can bring as a, as a treatment provider. Yeah, I absolutely agreed. And the one part that it, it might be me as a, you know, serial entrepreneur, but uh, I am excited about this cannabis industry because pharmacists actually have an ability to make an impact. Um, before when I was working retail, you pretty much knew exactly what you were walking into every single day. It was the same uh, prior authorizations, refill requests, and the, the clinical side was there, you know, um, but in limited capacities. But with cannabis, the market is untapped right now from the medical side. Uh, people are not necessarily uh, catering to the medical populations because everyone's focused on the adult use sales. Uh, so the opportunities for research are there. The opportunities for dispensaries are there for pharmacies to integrate cannabis-based medicine. Uh, all of every step of the supply chain is an opportunity for the pharmacist. And, you know, that's the exciting part about getting in this industry is because I wake up and every day I have no idea what the next day will bring. Uh, and it's not like that with pharma. Pharma is everyone's used to a certain structure and um, the ability to craft is just not there. So right now, I'll give you, for example, in states uh, like South Carolina, they introduced the medical cannabis program or, or um Legal, they're trying to get a medical cannabis program on board. And one of the pharmacists that I met down there, uh, he's advocating to actually craft the laws to have pharmacists involved in every step of the way, which is great. Um, you can't say that about any other industry right now to get pharmacists actively involved from the ground floor. Um, so, you know, using our voice, using our advocacy, I think that's something that a lot of pharmacists don't do. Um, we're just kind of used to what we are, are given. And um, I, I just want to throw that out there that if you are interested in getting in cannabis, don't be afraid to speak out because this is how you get change done. Um, that's the exciting part about it. I love it. Well, we're um, interested in hearing more from you. So pharmacy podcast uh, listeners and the CRX podcast uh, listeners, thank you so much for uh, tuning in today. Expect more information from uh, leading pharmacists in the space of uh, cannabis research, cannabis leverage and expertise and treatment, um, as well as the collaboration that is between multiple pharmacists under some of these state and uh, in national associations. This is exciting. So thank you so much, Alan, for today. Appreciate it, Tan. To find all the episodes from the CRX podcast, go to crxpodcast.com. To learn more about the latest advancements in medical cannabis, visit crxmag.com. That's crxmag.com. Thanks for listening.